it didn't sit with me at all. If you catch my turn. We're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, kittens and cows. Welcome into the Calvary Cast, episode 83, I believe. I am your illustrious host, Graham Parker, uh, alongside the other illustrious host, Jess Miller. Welcome in, folks. Welcome. Silence after that. Chirp, chirp. So after a long series of edits, uh, no banter today, so folks will be happy about that. So let's jump straight into our topic. Let's jump straight in. Like um, we just did. Like we just did. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which we didn't actually, but that's okay. You don't well, know. Keep, keep some of that banter like on a file somewhere. We can go back and listen to it later and I'll share it with everybody else. There we go. Okay. So All anyway. right, but let's dive back in. We are back in the upper room discourse, which is John chapters 13 through 17. And uh, there are many good things about this uh, passage of Scripture. And we remember most of this is not in any of the other mm-hmm. three Gospels. So this is a real um, treasure for us to have. And the setting is the night of his betrayal. Because after this upper room where they're observing the... the um, Passover and Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Uh, they'll leave the room, go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and everything gets rolling. And then um, he goes through the trials of the night, and then he goes to the cross the next morning. So this is real significant. It's a, a heavy room. By that I mean heavy emotionally. Mm. He's an, It's been an emotional week, I think, in many ways for all of them. And then Jesus has been announcing that his hour was approaching, um, you know, chapter 12, he says his hour has come and, um, he's been telling them that he's announcing in this upper room, there's a betrayer in their midst, uh, that even Peter, he's already announced that Peter, by the time we get to where we're at today for chapter 14, that Peter would betray him, deny him three times. Um, and their hearts are heavy and sorrowful and afraid because they don't really understand what's going on. Right, a little bit of confusion. And he keeps talking about leaving, and they can't come with. And so there's confusion to that. They don't quite understand. And so um, it's really cool because what Jesus is doing is in chapter 14, and really through this whole upper room discourse from chapter 14 to to through uh, 17 now, or 16 where the instruction is, and then 17 is his prayer for them. Um, he's trying to leave them with peace. And um, that's really interesting if you think about the situation. So, uh, and we know that, you know, because he says, he starts out, as we'll read in just a minute in verse one, with teaching them to not let their hearts be troubled. Uh, but then down in verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid so in some ways verses 1 through 27 are kind of bracketed with that let not your hearts be troubled and then down at the very end of this in chapter 16 uh, verse 33 closes out before he prays for them I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world so that theme of peace um is really throughout this when I the first time I taught through this at our previous church, uh, I 
entitled the whole section, John 13 through 17, finding peace in turbulent times. Mm. And I think it's still, I still agree with that title Mm -hmm. because they're about to go through turbulent times, not just through that weekend, but then as he's warning them in this upper room of what they have ahead of them as his disciples, those are turbulent times. But, you know, throughout this, you're going to, he's teaching them and about have finding peace in him. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's read. Should we read it? You want to uh, read it? I'll read it since right. uh, you're doing most of the uh, conversation here. You're going to do one, uh, one, one through, through 14? 14. Yep. Okay. John 14. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will do will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. All right. So um, right from the very beginning, you have a command. And it's in that first phrase, let not your hearts be troubled. Um, The word troubled is used in um, earlier in John's gospel about the the pool um, and how people would gather around it. What was it? The pool pool of Bethsaida? Is it? Is that the one where the angel would come? Yeah, stir up the right. Yeah, Yeah, so I I forgot to look it up before we, we did this. But yeah, so anyway, the idea is of the that the angel would come, the tradition was the th- that yeah. they would come and yep. stir up the water. Yep. And then if you could get in while it was still stirred up, mm-hmm. you'd be healed. Well, that's the word for troubled. Right. So if you think about water that isn't troubled, it's just glass-like, you know, like if you're a water. Is there a song s- like that? Like a bridge over troubled water. There is a song about that. I just sang it. Yeah, in trouble. But like, so, you know, he's saying your hearts are to be a place of peace. Could we say that Jesus is the bridge over troubled water? We probably could. Probably. That, that'd be like <laughs> a, a cheesy analogy. Right. Here, right? Yeah. Like we want to talk about this song and make a connection here. And Yeah. I just threw your whole point out the window. So no, it's not. I'm just kind of explaining the intro here and like the idea, like, so people understanding that Jesus wants our hearts to be a place of peace. Mm. Regardless well, of the circumstances, right? right? And well, the thing that actually that that stands out is that Jesus cares about our hearts. That's yeah. what stood out to me, yeah. and that that's a really comforting fact. Huh. Yeah, you know, like He doesn't want you to feel the um, troubledness, the troubledness, because yeah. you know, anxiety, right, fear, right, um, 
doubt, all those things, like those are negative emotions, Mm -hmm. right? In the sense of, and they're, they, you know, do not fret. It only causes harm. Right. Is what the scriptures say. But I mean, so you're right. He cares about that. And I think that's where this has to begin. So this whole Mm -hmm. concept of Jesus leaving his disciples with peace has to begin with the thought you have in the thought, Jesus wants you to have peace. Right. Right, because if he says, if he says down in, uh, what is that, in verse twenty-seven, um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Well, okay, so that ties in with verse one, also. So he's saying, my peace I give with you, but in verse one, so he's saying, let not your hearts be troubled, and then he has the solution for trouble. Right. You believe in God. Faith. Yeah. Believe in me. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And then, but then in place of the troubledness is the peace that he gives. Right. But believing that, I think that's a good point you brought out that believing that this is what Jesus wants for the heart is important. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that essentially, you know, in verse 27, peace, I leave with you, my peace, I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you? Now it can offer, it tries to offer a certain peace, Mm -hmm. but it's transient. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it, it's not based in any, not right. rooted in anything right. real, right. you know, but like this is all going to be rooted in faith in Christ and right. in the promises that Jesus delivers in John 14. But that peace that he gives to us is there is a sense in which I think we could say rightly that's ours by right. Mm. Okay. Cause Jesus gives this to you and, and, um, uh, and if Jesus gives you something, yeah. it's yours yeah. right to, to have. So he wants us to have peace and he doesn't want us to, our hearts to be troubled. And then, like you said, though, there is the, it, he just doesn't say that. It's just not like based in nothingness, right? right? It's not like just, Oh, have peace right. or whatever. No, it's now you've got some, some concrete things you have to turn your mind to. It's not that he's not giving a command to be obeyed, which is let not your hearts be troubled without the, the means to obey that right. command, yep. which does, as I just think on this for another minute, we could be very Puritan and just take like one verse and we'll just talk about it for the whole time. We could do that if we wanted. Yeah, we could. We won't, we won't do that. Um, when he says, let not your hearts be troubled, that does imply that we do allow our hearts to be troubled. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you're talking earlier about uh, the world's idea of peace and things like that. Right. Uh, Cause that, that is, there are all these other things that say like, if you go down this path of fear or anxiety or despair or whatever, that if you go down that, you actually will find peace. That's the temptation of it, right? Right, right. Uh, and, and here he's saying, no, don't do that. Like you can worry yourself into peace. Yeah. That's that's the idea. We all right, know yeah. that it's not true. Right, But yeah. that's kind of, that's why we go there. Right. So. And I think that um, this is probably one of the hardest battles in the Christian life mm. is to have peace in troubling times mm-hmm. when things are on the horizon mm-hmm. that are not good. That's what these apostles are going through right now in this upper room. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving you. All these things are happening. And the temptation is mm-hmm. to just let your heart be troubled. Yeah. That's the temptation. Yep. And I think, you know, it's what we're saying in this room right now and discussing this, mm-hmm. we know it to be true. Mm-hmm. And yet, both, you know, both of us could leave this room right now and be worrying right. about things. Exactly. And and there are people in our church going through very real, um, scary things. Mm. And so these words may 
hit them first right. as, oh, come on, how am I going right. to find peace in this time? Yeah. Okay, but we have, this is where, this is where this command to let not your hearts be troubled has to be rooted in some real yeah. objective truth. Well, so objective truth, like we're going to talk about in just a minute. But I, the other thing too that I that just struck me with this as well, seeing it as a command, but it's a sweet command from the Lord. Yeah. Right. You know, just like um, sometimes we think of command. Well, the Scripture John says, right, His commands are not burdensome. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so that's what this is. And like I, I mentioned earlier, the Lord cares about our hearts. Yeah. So when we hear a command like this, we should see that as a sweet command from the Lord, mm-hmm. not burdensome joyful for our best yeah um yeah yeah and i think that's what okay so what he does now is he gives you instructions and maybe we will because as i'm just sitting here looking at this one of the passages of scripture that connects so powerfully with verse one and then verse 27 and the idea of this piece is philippians 4 Mm. and I think it it really does because the first thing is i mean the first step i guess in battling fearful circumstances is to stop worrying, mm-hmm. stop fretting, uh, to stop allowing the circumstances to trouble your heart, which is supposed to be calm and peaceful. Well, the answer to that, okay, on the one hand is then how do I do that? And, um, and he says, believe in God, believe also in me. Now, this is a really powerful, these, these, what he's saying here is real powerful, but let me summarize it just yeah. simply. Yeah. And then I want to expound. expound it. But yeah. believe in God, believe also me. In other words, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust me. Hmm. Trust in me now. Um, and that's really the heart of it. What, how do you battle, how do you overcome sinful anxiety and fear, the answer is faith. And um, it's, it's, it's looking to, to God and, and trusting in the promises of, mm-hmm. of, of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Isaiah says in Isaiah 41, you know, do not look anxiously about you. Mm. We should pull, pull that. Let me pull that up here real quick. But, um, he speaks about that issue of um, anxiety. Hold on, I want to pull ver- up. What verse is that? Isaiah 41. Good old computers here. I, I, beat, I beat you in my paper box. All right, here. so let me, I'll see the verse. If you're not, I am with you, right? The verse is there. So, um, okay, ver- uh, verse 10, mm-hmm. right? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. The idea of that phrase is looking anxiously about you. In other words, that would that would be their temptation to look out at the circumstances, the things that are going on, and um, be dismayed by them. And he says, but don't do that, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you uh, at, with my righteous right hand. And so it's this idea of, do not fear. Well, what do I do mm-hmm. in place of my fear? Right. Well, you look to me. You trust in me. I'm with you. I am your God. I will help you. Mm-hmm. Now, 
those men in that upper room would have had Isaiah 41.10. But the powerful thing about what Jesus is saying then in, um, in John 14, when he says, let not your hearts be troubled, same thing as saying, fear not. Right. Uh, or do not be dismayed. You're not going to look around at, at your circumstances and focus on those. I want you to trust me. And what the p- powerful thing is, they would have heard that in Isaiah 41, and, and Jesus just saying, trust in God, right? Okay, yeah, I understand that. Isaiah taught that. I understand right. the God of the Old Testament. But what Jesus says here, which is so powerful, is the idea of, you trust in God or trust in God. It is actually a command, an imperative. Also trust in me. And he's putting himself on the same plane as God. In other words, in the way you would trust God in Isaiah 41 and battle your sinful fear and you're looking to God to help you be with you, I want you to look at me in that exact same way. And think of how really... If it, if it isn't that G, if Jesus isn't God, hmm. that's downright blasphemous. Yeah, I mean he should be pointing people to God, right? Not himself. Right. He is saying, "Believe in me as you right. believe in the God." Right. And he will get into here right. that he is yeah. God in the flesh, right. right? But that if you think about those men sitting in that room, and here they are looking at this, probably very average-looking, unassuming first century Jewish man who is who is calling them to put faith in him mm. in the same way they put faith in God. Mm. That's powerful. That is powerful. And uh, it's because of, of course, who he is. And so just skipping down a little bit, um, uh, he says, verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Caught Philip, right? He mm-hmm. sees it. He says, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father, right? So how can you say, show us the Father? And then he gives this wonderful, like, inter-Trinitarian language, right? Yeah. We... We, we have to understand that the original disciples um, might have had hints of a what we would call a Trinitarian nature in the Godhead, but it, not really, not in the sense that we have it now because God in his infinite wisdom decided to reveal his essence and his being progressively over time. Hmm. So they knew that God was one, of course. There were no other right. gods. They were taught all that. There's only one true God. They probably saw language in the Old Testament about the Spirit, but not quite comprehending the nature of the Spirit. Uh, seeing things about the Father talking about the Son or the, in this inner Trinitarian life, but not capturing it in its mm-hmm. essence. But what we're seeing here is this now fur- further revelation about the relationship to the Father and the Son. He asked him a question, verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, 
I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Mm. You know, you think about um, what he said to the, the Jews who were opposing him back in John 5 when he healed that man who had uh, been lame for 38 years. And, you know, he told the guy to get up, take up his bed and walk, and that's violating the Sabbath, so they're getting yeah. <laughs> And he said to them, my father has, my father has been working till now, and now and, I am, and I, I am working, yeah. Is that idea that they were, they, that was blasphemous to them because he was putting himself on the same level as the father they work together yeah. the words he even says are from the father and the father who dwells in me does his works mm. through me i mean he's just he's just proclaiming himself to be one with the father here um believe me that i am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on the on account of the works themselves so anyway the reason i draw all that out is this our faith now you know, is and, and he's calling them to this faith. Don't be troubled. Trust me now. Mm-hmm. Trust what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Trust all the promises I'm about to lay out to you mm-hmm. about my father's home. And I'm going to come back and give you bring you there. You're going to be with me. Um, the promises about the Holy Spirit that, you know, the promises about they're overcoming the world, all those things. Now, trust me as you have God. Does that all make sense? That does make sense. I think. um well, just to see if I can and summarize for my brain, and maybe it'll help others as well. But like that statement, when he's beginning with that command to let not your hearts be troubled, and then he is saying, you believe in God, and he's saying, you believe in me in the same way, and then he goes on to demonstrate how he and the Father are one. So you're, when you're trusting in me, you're trusting in the Father. Right. That mean in short kind of what, what he's saying there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think so. You're trusting me the same. I mean, what is the distinction, right? Uh, when you're thinking about, you know, the Godhead, there's distinctions in the persons, right? Father, Son, right. Spirit. But right. they, but you're all trusting in God. Right. To say that you're trusting the right. promises of Jesus, I would be saying the same thing. Yeah, and I think one other thing, just to go back, because I think that you you mentioned it earlier when we're talking about. Um, you know, with anxiousness or troubledness, the temptation to do that, and how do we how do we obey the command? Let not your heart be troubled, and it's through faith, right? And that can be abstract. I think is sometimes in people's mind, uh, well, what does it mean to live by faith? Well, I think partly it is it's 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 heeding what God has said, acting upon that, replacing the temptation to do the other thing that's right. calling us to, you know, the anxious thought is calling us to give it credence to follow it down the path wherever it's going to lead right. us and instead when Jesus is saying let not your hearts be troubled believe in God uh be- believe in me yeah. right then then we follow okay well what does Jesus say about trusting him in this area yes right. that's and then, right and that would be living by faith yeah I think so and what he'll do is so we're not it's not just an abstract faith in him so we got to know right. him right and we're trusting God we're turning to him in faith and this is where it's so important like to get to know God mm-hmm. in a very personal way through Scripture, through how he reveals mm-hmm. himself to us, so that you realize, you come to the conclusion like, wow, he's trustworthy, yes. okay? Yep. He's good, he's kind, he's loving, he's all-powerful. Right. You right. know, you think about even the the concept of his attribute of sovereignty over all mm-hmm. things. In other words, everything that's happening is under control. To these men, what they were about to go through for that weekend when Jesus was turned over, mm-hmm. crucified, they... F- 
they fell flat on their faces, spiritually speaking, because they didn't, he told them he would be raised on the third day. Right. It doesn't seem as though that registered. Right. Okay. We weren't involved in their conversations, but it doesn't seem like that really registered. How many times is John like, right, you know, and he, he says, but it wasn't until after he was raised, they understood these things. Yep. And and he told them like throughout those times, you know, three or so times recorded in the gospels, he must go to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and be crucified and then mm-hmm. be raised again on the third day. This must happen. Right. And so there's an essence of you've got to trust me in this. This is the way. And also that circumstances that seem to be so going so wrong, what we've seen in the entire Gospel of John is they're actually going very right. They're going according to God's plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important, too, when we're learning to trust God in troubling times, to understand this is part of his plan. Mm -hmm. This is his eternal decree, Mm -hmm. and so it may appear to us to be something that is very confusing, and Mm -hmm. I don't get what's happening. Part of trusting God is going to be trusting that he does know what's happening. He's controlling everything that's Mm -hmm. happening. He's working it all according to Mm counsel's will for his glory and your eternal good. Mm -hmm. And so there's all those promises you can grab a hold of of that. And, you know, um, really, I think the time to be preparing for these hard times, these troubling times, is not when you're in them. No. It's it's getting your mind filled with the information about God that you need and building that relationship and that trust in who he is so that you're clinging to these very specific promises when when the hard time right. hits. It's almost like uh, you can't obey by faith, walk by faith, and trust God if you don't know your Bible. Right. It's kind of like a, a basic component of That's this. That's right. How do you have faith in, in God when he reveals right. himself primarily through his word and you don't know his word? Uh, it's kind of like uh, when Jesus asked the questions to Philip here, you know, like, how long have you been with me? My works are testifying to this and you don't believe it. Yeah. You know, so so how, you could ask the same question. How are you How are you going to trust God if you don't know him through his word? Yeah. And here's his word. It's testifying to the fact that he's trustworthy. Yep. Get in it. So maybe next time what we'll do is we can walk through some, he gives them concrete promises yeah. in the rest of this chapter that, um, that I think are helpful and, and can be applicable to us. It's just promise after promise of yeah. what he's going to do or whatever. But let's let's kind of transition to, I think, a passage that fills this out. Okay. And that's Philippians 4. And um, it's, we're, uh, we're podcasting on the fly right here. Yes, we are. So um, in verse 4, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's always important to remember that the man who's commanding you to do that is in Roman jail waiting trial before Caesar where he doesn't mm. know he's going to live or die. Yeah. So he's not sitting in Graham's nice office <laughs> with no like threat of anything <laughs> happening to him and everything's you know going fairly well. Uh, it's coming from a man who's suffering and um, facing potential death. And then he says, verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And he makes a statement, the Lord is at hand. And I love the way the punctuation is placed into the ESV because I think the Lord is at hand is supposed to be connected into verse 6. So probably should be transferred into verse 6 because I think it goes hand in hand, pun intended, with, with do not be anxious about anything. So the Lord is near is the idea. Do not be anxious about anything. And isn't that always where we're rooting our, we should be rooting our confidence in the fact that the Lord is with us. He is near. 
And um, just like Isaiah 41, that's where God pointed mm-hmm. his people, just like mm-hmm. John 14. You know, trust me, I'm with you. Um, the Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything. Very similar, right, to do not yep. let your hearts be troubled. It implies you could. You could go down the road of anxiety mm. about anything, but this is very clear. Do not be anxious about anything. That's where the battle is. People say, well, you know, I've got this anxiety, and it just isn't going away right away. Well, that's the battle. Right. That mm. is the fight of faith. Mm. I mean, that's what it is. It doesn't... It, it isn't always something where a switch just goes off immediately. And that's often what we think about any sort of sin and struggle. Why do we continue to do this? Well, that's the battle. It's the battle. And we have to, we battle it. And how do we do it? Verse 6, but in contrast to just anxiety about everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Interesting. Don't Don't forget that part. Let your requests be made known to God. And we so immediately he's got you turning to God in all kinds of prayer, prayer, supplication, that, the idea of supplication, going before him just empty-handed, mm. pleading, you know, doing this all with thanksgiving. And there's where you're not, if you're going to be thankful to God in these hard times and you're actually going to verbalize thanks, thankful praise, you've got to know that what he's doing in this is good. You've got to know about his attributes through mm-hmm. it with good so that you can thank him. Right. You know, and that's, again, what we we're talking about. Arm yourself now before you're going through it with the word of God so you're you're ready to walk through it. And then with Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, which is really cool because he's saying, ask what you want yeah. right now. What, what do you want? Mm-hmm. I want deliverance. I want healing. I want my loved one to turn, come back to God. I want, you know, Mm. whatever it could Mm -hmm. be. I mean, name it. This is what I want, Mm -hmm. you know? And he's like, let that be known. But Mm -hmm. I think the very idea, let your request be made known to God implies Mm -hmm. he's going to answer according to his will, Mm -hmm. but you can trust him with that too. Mm. Right. You can trust him through whatever that is, but he wants you to bring those requests. And here is a promise. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds of Christ Jesus. Hmm. So Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Um, I don't think there's much difference in saying that than saying the peace of God generally Mm -hmm. for his people, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. And so what we have to see here is that in the main, for God's will for his people as they are walking through hard times is that they don't allow themselves to get worried, anxious. They don't give in to that temptation. They don't chase those thoughts, but they turn everything over to God in faith, prayer, thanksgiving, supplication, bringing those requests to God, pouring out your heart to God, casting all your cares, First Peter 5, on him because he cares for you. And then the peace of God, God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. And what we know about peace, and when we're talking about peace, we're talking about internal, in this context, internal peace. Okay, the feeling of peace. What we know about that is it's a production of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So the Spirit, while we're, while we're obeying this, and uh, sometimes we have to fight through anxiety, sometimes it is, you gain a peace and then 10 minutes later you're back in battle yeah. again, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just staying, but this idea that do, 
trusting in God, looking to his promises, crying out to him, and you have a peace that it does, it's not really, it's beyond understanding. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a spiritual peace uh, within your hearts. We'll guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. And it's a peace that doesn't match the circumstances. Yeah. That's why Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Mm. Okay? It's a, it's a peace that doesn't make sense in the context. Mm. Because you, you're thinking, I should not have any That's peace right. here. That's right, yeah. Yep. And this is why you can see mature Christians who walk yeah. through this and are governed by the Spirit and they're armed mm-hmm. with the Word of God. They fall sometimes. They have yep. bad days, weeks sometimes yep. or whatever. But in the main, there's a consistency of a peace mm-hmm. that is that is maintaining their souls mm-hmm. and guarding their hearts and their minds of Christ Jesus mm-hmm. and... And this is why you can see Christians both in the scriptures and in history of the church and in your own life, you encounter Christians that are going through uh, really hard times mm. and and they're at peace. Mm. And we just met with one earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yep. we'll remain nameless on the podcast. Yep. But, but the idea is years of suffering potential suffering always on the horizon mm-hmm. and yet has learned this has learned Philippians mm-hmm. four wasn't always the way mm-hmm. you know wasn't always had struggles mm-hmm. fought through that and God has shown her and she's grown in this yeah and so it's available for us I think like it it, it should just be I hope encouraging for people to to just stop and consider for a second one uh, the like G, like we talked earlier, Jesus's heart, or you know, the desire for peace in our hearts, the provision of that, not only to cultivate that peace, but I was just thinking too, the gospel provision, the forgiveness for sin for the wrong ways re- we respond, right, to the giving into the temptations of any kind, right, that there is there is forgiveness and grace, and then you're empowered again to live by faith, to obey, and to to walk forward in that way. Yeah, it's great. Well, uh, we hope this conversation has been helpful for you. Uh, it's been enjoyable for us to discuss it. Our goal is to help the people of Calvary Bible Church follow Christ by becoming better readers and students of the Bible. If you're not a part of our church, our hope and prayer is that our conversation will help you love the Scriptures more and serve your local church better wherever you're at. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, get feedback on the things we've discussed or send us topics you'd like us to discuss. So you can email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. If you think the podcast has been helpful, we would love for you to leave a rating, a review, or both. Share the podcast with others who you think would be benefited. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next time. Thank you.